Hi friends, Kerry Phipps here, Connecting with Confidence. One of the important elements of connecting with confidence is connecting with yourself. When we have better conversations with ourselves, we can have better conversations with others. You know, I want to introduce you to somebody really amazing today who Lyndon actually connected with in Spain last year. So Katie and her husband, Andy, were also walking across Spain as Lyndon did. And You'll hear more on Lyndon's podcast about that sometime soon. But I connected with Katie to discuss her own confidence journey and taking notice of what is important to her, which is a great question that we can ask ourselves in terms of connecting with ourselves. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. It made me feel so much more resilient in my ability to figure it out as I went along. The most trying times built the most confidence because I made it out and I thought, oh my gosh, well, I did that. What else can I do? Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to Katie Swanson, all the way from Oklahoma, currently in Vietnam, and we'll get to that in a moment. But welcome, Katie. Thank you. So I'm really delighted to have connected with you, and we haven't met face-to-face yet, but I felt that based on our conversations recently online, that we could have a fantastic conversation about this concept of you know, confidence being a journey and the way that we connect with ourselves and the way we connect with others, there's always space for insight and more learning and growth for ourselves and others. So thanks for being willing to have this conversation. We don't know exactly where it's going to go. Uh, We really have no idea where it's going to go. (laughs) But I feel like it's going to be useful. So um, to everyone listening, we are going on an adventure today. So Katie, do you want to just tell us, first of all, um, where you are and what's going on in your world right now? Yeah, so um, right now we are in Nha Trang, Vietnam, uh, in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, We've been quarantined here for, I think, about the last six weeks, um, but things have started opening up. Uh, My husband and I have been backpacking across Europe and Asia for almost exactly a year now. May 12th is our one-year anniversary of traveling. Um, so we made it all the way to our 25th country. Um, and then we were shut down and put on indefinite pause because of the pandemic. Um, but it's been really nice. Uh, we're very fortunate to be where we are. Um, we feel very safe here. Mm -hmm. Um, the response to the pandemic has, um, it has made us feel very safe and secure. Uh, doesn't hurt that we have an oceanfront view, <laughs> uh, but it's been a really great opportunity. We've been um, reading and studying language and uh, building a yoga practice. I've been able to connect with my home studio, which is part of the wonders of technology. So uh, yeah, it's been really nice. Uh, it's been kind of the best case scenario for a global pandemic, honestly. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're enjoying your time there yes. <laughs> and, um, and you're in isolation with your best friend in the world. By yes. The of it. Yeah. Yes. I've seen a couple yeah. of posts online. That's like, you wouldn't want to be stuck with anyone else like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe definitely. There are. Um, I know you've got a beautiful family too, but, um, but that's really lovely. And 
we'd love to hear more about your connection and and what's happening you, you know let's go there now do you want to just tell us about your decision to travel now rather than waiting till you're like older and retiring and doing maybe what was a sensible thing according to people in your culture yeah yeah so um pretty early on this was in uh let me think 2013 um andy was a otherwise healthy 23 year old we had both just graduated college and started our out of college jobs and he was diagnosed with cancer Mm. Um, it was pretty early in our relationship. And so we were suddenly faced with a lot of, um, big questions, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of stress. Mm. So after two surgeries and a round of chemotherapy, um, he was given a clean bill of health, thank God. Um, and then a few months after that, I was run over by a car while we were, um, we were running training for a half marathon. Uh, and I was struck by a car. It was a hit and run accident. Um, and I got really lucky. It definitely could have been a lot worse. Uh, I had a concussion and some, some road rash, uh, things like that, but no broken bones and no, no long lasting damage. Um, Definitely some, some trauma afterwards, a lot of fear of crossing the street or, Mm. you know, walking across the parking lot to get into the store or things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, pretty early on in our relationship and in our professional lives, we realized that, um, old age is not guaranteed. Mm. Uh, you may never see retirement, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Um, so we, we felt really strongly about putting off things to that someday, that someday that may never come, that you may never be able to, uh, really appreciate. So we had a really fortuitous meeting with some friends of friends at a wedding in, uh, let's see, 2017. Uh, we got married in 2016 and we met these friends of friends, uh, and they had just returned from traveling the world for several months and they were just on that high of, Mm. Oh my gosh, we've seen some amazing things and everyone needs to do this. So we start asking them questions and I immediately thought, Oh my gosh, this is something that we have to do. So I asked more questions. I got their contact information and they were so happy to kind of, you know, share that information. Uh, so we planned and we saved up our money and a year and a half later, uh, we embarked on our own journey. And a year after that, here we are right now. Wow. That's incredible. So, (laughs) you know, this season of uncertainty and fear that the world is so affected by right around the world. And you've already been through this massive period of disruption fear, uncertainty, not knowing, you know, if you have how many days together, you know, so, right. um, wow, that's really interesting. And, you know, we're talking about confidence, you know, connecting with yourself and with others. So um, obviously you guys have got a, a powerful connection between the two of you. So I just want to check in, is there anything you want to say about that before I take you back to like when you were younger and, um, and let's explore this confidence journey. Um, 
I, well, so aside from going through, uh, you know, the cancer diagnosis and recovery, getting hit by a car recovery, um, quitting our jobs, you know, being, being on this journey together has brought us a lot closer. Um, we, you know, from, from trying to figure out where we're going to go and how we're going to get there and what we're going to do when we get there, it's kind of evolved into these natural roles of things that we're, that we're both good at. So there are things that, that I don't enjoy doing and that I'm not very good at that Andy's really good at and that he enjoys doing and vice versa. And so these kind of natural roles have evolved. Um, we call him like the logistics and travel planner and I'm more of the programming and entertainment. I like to look up, uh, the things to see when we get there and, you know, um, you know, kind of things like that, kind of filling out the itinerary and he is better at figuring out how to get there and where to stay when we get there. So it's, it's very helpful that, that that we kind of, um, kind of naturally deviated into those roles. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And I'm sure that once you start exploring, like, what could we do when we get there? You must have so many ideas. What does he do when you give him so many ideas in the logistics that he's got? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he, sometimes, sometimes I get a little bit overwhelming with the number of things like we have to do this and we have to do that. And that was something that pretty early on in this trip, I had to realize myself there are so many things that we want to see and do, and we can do any of them, but we cannot do all of them. So you just have to pick. And I feel like that is something that applies to anything in life, right? Choosing a career, choosing, choosing a lot of things. You can do anything, but you cannot do everything. So you just have to decide what is important to you and just go with that and just let the rest of it go. Yeah, it's great advice, Katie. You know, I, I think we're, we're seeing so many of those choices now, even though we're not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, every country and every state is different in terms of the severity of the lockdown. But basically, no one's traveling anywhere. But even just at home, you can go anywhere in the world on, um, you know, zoo safaris and virtual um, museum tours and art gallery tours. And, and then there's all the the podcasts and the zoom meetings and so many things that you can be involved in. And we constantly have this opportunity to just go, okay, what's really important here? Yeah. Yeah. You can get in paralysis so easily. Mm. And when we, for the year and a half that we were um, planning for this trip and, you know, trying, trying to wrap our heads around what is this going to look like? How do we execute this? how do we begin to pull this off? Um, we both really love spreadsheets and really love research. Okay. Um, and so we had spreadsheets for, um, for the budget and, and saving up for the trip. We had spreadsheets for the places that we wanted to go based on either something that we definitely wanted to see there or something that I don't know, it might be cool to check this place out. Yeah. So we had, you know, we researched for um, visa information, vaccinations, uh, average cost of being there per day, you know, all of this just, mm-hmm. just almost granular data. Um, 
So when we left almost a year ago to the day, we had like all of this data, all of these data points, all of these research, you know, blog posts and all of these things kind of swimming in our heads. And then as we go along to each new country, we have our own experience. Like this is what I thought coming into this. This is what I was expecting. And here's what actually happened. And here's what it, here's what it actually looked like for us. Um, so it's been really interesting looking back and trying to remember where, where my head was this time and kind of what I was expecting. And now here we are in the middle of a pandemic, which no one could have anticipated. Um, yeah, just kind of reflecting back and thinking of all of the things that you research and you plan for. And then when it comes down to it, you know, it happens or it doesn't happen, but you just move on to the next thing. Yeah. So, so in those times when you've been traveling, going from country to country, what have been the things that you've held on to that you realized this was important? Oh, that's a really good question. Hmm. For me, I think the things that have been most helpful and it's really just been stuff that we have learned as we went, um, is the historical and cultural context of places. Mm. Um, trying to understand with the things that we were seeing and the things that we were drawn to and kind of sought out and trying to understand the historical context of that and what that meant. Mm. So for example, we uh, went on a uh, kind of a world war two tour uh, mm. through France and saw the Normandy beaches um, and and some some significant battlefields from that um, and that that really hit very hard um, and was one of the one of the greatest experiences of this trip. Um, another thing that we it knew nothing about was when we were traveling through the Balkans and trying to learn and understand the history of that place um, and and why the things that we were seeing were important. But we kind of we kind of tend to take more of kind of look through look at things through more of that historical or cultural lens as we travel. Yeah. Um, so what so. impact does that have on your connection, like your connection with yourself or your connection with each other or with other people as you're connecting with people on your travels? Yeah. Um, when we were in Belgium, we got to go to um, Bastogne and got to see um, the forest there. And my great uncle died in that forest fighting. And so being able to connect to that part of my history mm. was really important to me um, and kind of gave me a deeper understanding of my family and where my family came from. Yeah. That's a pretty powerful experience for anyone, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I, some of the questions I want to ask you, I'm like, no, that's for Lyndon's podcast <laughs> because he, he's looking forward to interviewing you about your travels and everything. And so, you know, like, um, yeah, let's go to the connection path. Um, so it's, it's so beautiful to, to hear you share that because I have, you know, many veterans in my family and family history too. So I, I so relate to that. And I think, 
some of these things, when we have these insights or understanding of what's gone on before us, there's like the opportunity for a deeper connection with ourselves. Yeah. 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 So are you happy if we go way back to when Katie was a girl? Yeah. So I was homeschooled by my mother for my elementary years, um, elementary being grades first through fourth. My sister and I were homeschooled. My sister's older. We were homeschooled together for three years and then she started public school and I was homeschooled by myself for one extra year. Um, so those years are very important for children developing, uh, you know, social skills and some, you know, self-confidence. Uh, and I wasn't really around other kids during those years. And I, I was really pretty self-conscious about it for a while. Um, just because I, I kind of felt like that, that weird kid when I started back to public school. Um, and I went to a small school, a small rural school uh, in Oklahoma and made friends pretty easily. Um, I got involved with sports because that's what my friends were doing. It's not because I was good at them. (laughs) So that doesn't really help with self-confidence, but it was something that I enjoyed and my friends were doing. Um, In high school, I didn't really get involved in a lot of things that kind of help build confidence. I was in um, what we call um, FCCLA, uh, which is kind of like a, kind of like a community leadership type thing. Um, it stands for future. Actually, never mind. I don't remember what it stands for. I may have to come back to that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I wasn't, I wasn't involved in things like, um, speech and debate or anything like that. And actually Andy and I were talking recently about how, how beneficial something like that would have been if we had been in school, but there was kind of a, you know, kind of a little bit of a stigma and kids sometimes care way too much about things like that. So going through school, I wouldn't say that I struggled with self-confidence and, um, and connecting with others, but I, I definitely wasn't putting myself in situations where I was really challenging myself with things like that. So when I went to college, um, I was again, not really putting myself in situations where I could really grow that, that part, you know, speaking in front of groups or really connecting. Um, so when I turned 21, in the U.S., 21 is the legal drinking age. Um, I was more excited about the opportunity to start working as a bartender than I was to be able to legally drink Okay. Um, because I was a broke college student and I wanted a form of income that would, you know, bring in the money. Yeah. So I was really excited about that. And I just thought that, um, you know, the, the bartending thing just kind of seemed really fun and glamorous. Uh, and it was, but the other thing that came out of that that was really beneficial was it, you, you're kind of forced to become comfortable talking to people. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're coming up to strangers, they're sitting at your bar, they're expecting a certain interaction from you. Yeah. Um, they come to, sometimes they're coming to, 
share their life stories. Yeah. Um, it, there's kind of a joke. Um, the the tool that you use to pop beer bottle tops is called yeah. a church key. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's true or not, but the rumor was that it's called a church key because people come to you to confess. They're okay. coming yeah. to talk to the bartender. Um, so, you know, sometimes you learn a little bit more about people than what you want to, but essentially <laughs> you're, you're getting comfortable with, with sometimes total blind interactions from, from strangers. Yeah. Um, sometimes those become regulars and they become, you know, part of this informal family that you have. Um, I still have people that I met when I was bartending, you know, six or eight years ago that I'm still connected to. Um, so it was, it was a really interesting time. I, I loved the environment. It was a great experience. It made me so much more comfortable interacting with strangers. Um, there's good and bad that comes from that, but I chose to take away all the best parts of it. Um, I, I got into it because of the money that I could make and it seemed like a fun environment and I'm still drawn to it because it was a fun environment and you just get these really unique interactions with people. Yeah. Um, again, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad, but, <laughs> but it's, it, it was an environment that I really, that I enjoyed for the most part. And that really challenged me in a lot of ways. There were times um, I bartended when I was working on my master's degree. So as a master's student, you know, you're pulling late hours in the library, you're, you're doing a lot of different things. Um, and I would come into the bar and be just exhausted and thinking about other things, but then it's like, it would just totally change. And I would just kind of be in my zone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you learn a lot about yourself when you're in a role like that, don't you? Yes. But we don't always have the time to reflect or to be in touch with ourselves in such a busy right. environment. Did, did you feel like you had that connection to yourself or is that something that's grown later? Uh, I definitely feel like it's something that has grown later, um, you know, with, with age and experience, I guess. Not like I'm some wise old sage, but, <laughs> but when I was a 20-something uh, grad student, I didn't necessarily have the maturity or the headspace to be thinking about, like, who am I and how, how can I connect with others? Mm. Um, it just kind of came about in, in certain situations that I can now reflect back on as a no, no longer in college student. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More of a student of life now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so then after, so what was it that you got a master's in at uni? Uh, so my undergraduate was in nutritional sciences, mm -hmm. um, human nutrition. Uh, I then went on to study, uh, it was a degree in international studies with a focus on human development. So I was focusing on um, food insecurity, um, inequality, things like that. Um, wow. Things that it's, it's really been interesting to look through that lens as we have traveled through you know, 25 countries now and, and trying to, I think that's probably why we look at things with 
a historical and kind of cultural lens is because of that Mm. food culture especially yeah that's amazing so before you started this travel like when you finished university what did it take you into what kind of roles yeah so it's kind of funny I studied uh international studies and then the day from my master's graduation I actually got a job at the local food bank for Oklahoma (laughs) so I studied international issues and then went on to work in my home state um, for a private nonprofit that worked in uh, food insecurity issues So I started working with um, child hunger programs and I worked there for six years until we left to, to take this trip. So it's definitely something that is still very dear to my heart. Wow. So you studied it in an international context and then started working locally (laughs) in that field. Which was really interesting because, you know, I have lived most of my life in the state of Oklahoma I grew up in the eastern side of the state, moved more central for college and after college, but my work took me through central and western Oklahoma. So it's still all the same state, but the variety of people that that I was working with was such a broad range. I mean, the international studies part came in handy because you're still you still have to know how to adjust with different, you know, different socioeconomic backgrounds and different mm. education levels and different, all of those things. It just, it never ceased to amaze me. Yes. Yeah. We can have so many cultures within one local culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even, yeah. Even workplaces have their culture, don't they? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so it was still very fitting um, and I loved the work that I did there. So it was, it was very satisfying. Yeah. So did you ever have moments of feeling completely inadequate or intimidated or has this, you know, it sounds like there's been, you know, pretty decent confidence throughout your life. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there, there has been a lot of fake it till you make it. And, um, I, I think that that people, especially women don't talk about that enough. You know, there's this imposter syndrome and, um, just feeling like feeling like you don't know anything and you're just making it up as you go along. I think everyone feels that way. I don't know who needs to hear this, but everyone (laughs) feels that way. I feel like we could just make that another whole episode. Yes. 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 We might have to uh, come back to that one, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So when I, this is a great example. When I started my job right out of college, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. This was my first grown up job as they call it. And I was managing, um, federal, one of the federal meal programs. And so I was trying to learn that, you know, the, all of the requirements that go in with that, because it's a not to get into the weeds too much, but it's a federal reimbursement program. So, and because it's a government program, there's lots of paperwork and very strict requirements to follow. Two weeks into my role there, a tornado hit our town 
and just destroyed a huge swath of of the city and because the organization that I worked for is a nonprofit. They were responding to that. You know, they were, they were Mm -hmm. responding with aid and coordinating volunteers and doing things like that. And I'm brand new. Also, I'm brand new to this city. I'm so stressed out. I have no idea what's going on. And I've also been tasked with feeding hungry children. I mean, the stakes feel very high and I just want to make sure I'm doing a good job because, oh my gosh, if I don't, it's children on the line. Yeah. And so I was just thinking like there, this is too much. There's no, I can't do this. I have no idea what I'm doing. They, they made a mistake in choosing me. And my, my manager at that job was, was, uh, (laughs) he was very open to these conversations. And I remember going into his office one day and closing the door and saying, I don't think I can do this. I think you made a mistake. I'm going to ruin everything. And he was like, you have to do it. There is no other option right now. You have to figure it out. I'm here to support you, but you have to figure it out. There is literally a bigger disaster going on right now. I fully support you. And I think you're capable. You can, and you have to do it. So. Wow. So what impact did that have? (laughs) it made me much more confident to know that someone else believed in me and that they kind of set the bar here and it was up to me to kind of fill up the rest. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I leaned very heavily on the people around me who had more experience and, and kind of had a better idea of what was going on. Uh, and we made it through and that was definitely not the first large scale disaster that happened during my time there. You could just almost count on it being every year something crazy was going to happen. <laughs> but it, it just it made me feel so much more resilient in my ability to figure it out as I went along. The most trying times built the most confidence because I made it out and I thought, oh my gosh, well I did that. What else can I do? Unfortunately Harder times come and you learn that you can do more, but, um, yeah, there was nothing that really just wiped me out completely and made me think, nope, this is it. I'm done. Yeah. It's, but it's really useful to reflect, isn't it? To know that I have faced hard times before. Yeah. I have felt this lost, this inadequate, this inept before. And somehow I got through that. What did I do? Yeah. Yeah, completely. Really and truly. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you had some really good, um, you know, actions that you took there, like leaning heavily on the people around you, people who yes. knew what they were doing and you had a manager yeah. that supported you. Yeah. yeah. So, so Katie, if we had someone listening today, who's just feeling totally lost and inadequate right now, you know, the world's very uh, disrupted. There's so much uncertainty. How would you want to reassure somebody maybe like your younger self um plenty of people feel exactly the same way that you do right now Mm. you are not completely inadequate your feelings are valid yeah but you are so much smarter than you think you are and so much more capable than you give yourself credit for that is beautiful. 
Thank also, you, Kate. I find yes, yes, you're welcome. Also, I find that um, having having um, healthy outlets for things and having things that can help you build confidence and kind of shore up in other ways. So during this time when I was learning a new job and we're responding to natural disasters and all of these things that I have no idea how to deal with, uh, I started running and I was not a runner before that. Remember, I joined sports because that's where my friends were. I was not what you would call an athlete. Um, but I knew that I needed to find an, a healthy outlet for this anxiety and this stress. So I started running and I enjoyed it. And it was a really good way to get that, all of that energy out. Um, so that it, it built confidence for me because I was doing something that I never really saw myself. I, I never saw myself as a runner. So I started running guess what? Running makes you a runner. You don't have to be an Olympic athlete to be a runner. If you move forward and you cover ground, you're a runner. So that helped me uh, build confidence and was a healthy outlet for stress. You know, fi find something. Don't keep setting high, these high goals and aspirations for yourself when you're completely overwhelmed and feel inadequate. Find some low-hanging fruit. What are some things that you are good at and that you enjoy and help you feel confident? You know, don't, don't always be reaching and reaching and reaching. Cause if you never feel like you've attained anything, then it's going to be really hard to stay motivated to keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we're just going to pick some little things and reflect on what we've accomplished before. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you, Katie. Let's, um, let's come back for another episode to unpack more of the, what do we think about fake it till you make it? Uh, you know, because I, um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. We've got different ways of seeing that and unpacking it. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Carrie.